Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. We are in this series called Family Here. We've been talking about the different rhythms of what it means to be a spiritual family. We've even been studying the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You know, there's a key book that comes right after the gospel. It's called Acts. And as Bucky said, I, you know, I'm Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. And Bucky's our, our lead pastor here at Watermark. As he said several weeks ago, that was a snapshot of the first spiritual family. And we've been talking about believe, because that's the first step. And then you belong. When you become a part of the spiritual family, you have a place, a community. And then you become, you begin the work. It's sometimes tedious and, and painful, like Christina said. And it can be riddled with trauma, but God's sharpening and encouraging and bringing you along as you become. And then we talked about last weekend to bear with one another. If you are looking for perfect people at a church, I can sit with you after and encourage you. That's not what you'll find. It's messy sometimes to be in family, spiritual family together. And we must bear with one another. We support each other. We pick each other up. And today we're talking about the final B, the, same, the final piece in the puzzle as we wind on this series. It's a word that was used almost 30 times so far this morning. This one word has been used more than any other word so far in the entire service. You know what that word is? Bless. That's right. Starts with a B, Fred. You cheated. Bless. That's right. So we believe, we belong, we become, we bear, and we bless. Eventually, we are sent out. And I want to go through the definition of what blessing even means because I fear sometimes, you guys, we have lost the glory and magnificence and power of this word bless or blessed or blessing. How many of you guys heard of um, hashtag blessed? Anyone heard of hashtag blessed? Y'all heard of that? couple nodding heads, but there's a handful of my fellow 20s and 30-somethings who knows what I'm talking about. Don't worry, everyone else. It's just a silly social media campaign that's meaningless, okay? How about God bless? How about you're writing an email and you sign off, blessings, comma, and you put your name after? How about uh, have a blessed day? How about, you know what, you bless me. We think, I think for the most of us, we use this word, we throw it around in our Christianese, our Christian language, we throw it around. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes it loses its touch. Many people think that, that to be blessed, the Hebrew word for blessed is barak, to do or give something of value to another. Some of you are still thinking about a former president. Hang with me, hang with me. Yes, that name, that word means to bless, to do or give something of value to another. Here's a question I want you to start thinking about this morning as we wind in, as we gear up. Has God showed up in your life? Has God intervened in your life? Has he blessed you? Has he responded in some kind of significant way? If he has, and I'm assuming he has for a great number of you, why did he do that? We can talk about the gifts we've received, the favor we have, whether material or immaterial from God, all day long, but why? I'd like to know why would he do that? Why is he in the business of blessing you and me by the spiritual family that we've been given? Why would he do that? Why would he see fit to encourage us and give to us in this way? 
Well, I think the answer is pretty simple, and it's our big idea for this morning. I think that we are blessed so that we can have a clicker that is on all the way, and then I can go to the slide. Let's see. Checking. Here it comes. There it is. Blessed so that you can be a blessing. That's the big idea. There's your answer. That's why. All that we've been given, all that we have, whether it be our marriage, whether it be our home, whether it be our car, our kids, our job, all that we have and are, our resources, material and immaterial, our wiring, our giftings, our talents, our strengths, were given, they were imparted to us, not so that we can just take care of it and nurture it for ourselves. There's no believing in isolation. There's no belonging by ourselves. There's no becoming without one another. There's no bearing without someone to link arms with. And there's definitely no blessing without being together and working on something outside of ourselves. All that we have and all that we are is to bless others. Let's go further into this definition. Where does that even come from? Guess what? That's a verse. It comes from Genesis 12, verse 2. Patrick read this a second ago. And I will make you a great nation. This is God speaking to Abram, the first ever Jew, okay? And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So that what? You will be a blessing. You can go ahead and read it with me. So that what? You will be a blessing. Two critical words there, isn't it? So that, so that, so that we might bless others. I have a huge announcement this morning, you guys. This is our reason for being. This is our reason for gathering. All the cool stuff we get to do. All this beautiful story you just heard about these brothers and sisters who went to Mexico together. Spiritual brothers and sisters who went to Mexico together. They have, and they've absorbed, and they've learned, and they've been equipped so that they can go out, be sent, and bless others. The whole community, the first century community of believers in the book of Acts, they gathered, and they worshiped, and they prayed, and they administered the word of God. So what? So that they could be sent out from the household and be a blessing to others, to the world. They could make the name of Jesus famous. They could bless the whole dang world in the name of Jesus. So all this family gathering, you guys, that we're doing this morning, that we do 51, 52 weeks a year, when we rally around one another, what's it for? Man, we have received, Christina said this beautifully, we have received and so we give from what we have received. That is the simple truth this morning. You've heard it said in the world, pay it forward, pay it forward. You know, I paid for the person's Starbucks behind me in line. I paid it forward. You know where that comes from? That is not from some social media campaign or some other nonprofit. It comes from what's on the screen right now, Genesis 12. God made a deal with Abram and he said, I will bless you. I will make your name great and your family great so that you can bless others in turn. The first ever pay it forward. The first ever. But sometimes we forget, don't we? We sometimes forget that we've been given and we've received and we've been on the receiving end and then we forget to send it out there. Does anyone here like uh, birthday parties? Y'all like birthday parties? Anyone like a, everyone like a good birthday? There's one dude who likes a good birthday. Okay, that's sad, and I'm grieved for you. Most of the birthdays I attend these days are little kiddie pool parties. My wife and I got a handful of little kids at home. And so, yet again, I found myself at such a function yesterday, pool party in our neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I just got to confess. 
I may be a pastor, I may be a church worker, but I will lead with confession because I'm totally imperfect. It's not just the person next to you that's imperfect. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're imperfect. Sorry. Just call them out. That's what we do. It's going to be a blessing, okay? Trust me. And you can look up at me and mumble to yourself, he's not perfect either. He's not perfect. My wife and I are not perfect, okay? And my wife and I, boy, we do not have a strength of gift giving there's this guy, famous guy, Chapman by the name. He came up with this thing called love languages. You know, like words of affirmation is a language that people speak, that they receive and give love through, through, through words or through quality time or through gifts. Gifts are one of them. Neither of my wife have this. So you send us into a kiddie pool party and it's doubtful that one of us is going to be bearing gifts for this young child. And yet again, that's where I found myself yesterday. It would have been bad enough if I could have just got in and got out and, you know, was at the pool. And they had pizza, and that was bad enough. They had pizza, they had snacks, they had juice boxes. You know I got down on a juice box, definitely. Was sipping on juice box by the jacuzzi. It was a beautiful day. And it would have been bad enough if we just sat there and enjoyed their gifts of, like, food and fellowship. But then we're walking out, and, and the mom wants to guide us to the back of her car. And what does she have there but party favors for each one of my kids with their names on it? This is sad, right? Sunday morning just took a depressing churn. Sometimes, sometimes we forget We forget how much we've received. And y'all, I'll just confess to you, I've received, I've been on the receiving end all the days of my life from my parents, my grandparents, my in-laws, my grandparents-in-law. I'm not standing here today in front of you able to work at a church if it's not for the amazing legacy of giving that my family and my friends have bestowed upon me to do what I do today. You name it. And that's the only reason that I'm up here this morning. We've received. And so the reminder is we give, we bless. So I say again, has God given something of value to you? Has he showed up in your life? Here's another way of asking it. I'm going to give you a picture before we even get, I'm not even preaching yet, you guys. I'm not even there yet, okay? I'm going to give you one more picture because I, I feel that we're not convinced on the power and the, and, the, and the true placement of this word blessing. So now I'm going to give you a word picture. Has God shown his face to you? Has God showed his face to you? This is a beautiful picture, and in my opinion, one of the best ways to think about blessing, I love this idea, is a rich, rich um, lineage in Scripture about God showing his face to people, showing his glory, his magnificence, his awe. And there's a, a great scriptural reference point for how we reflect his glory. There's a whole, you know, uh, catechism that we would say as believers that, that we would train our sons and daughters. Why do you exist, son? Why do you exist, daughter? Well, it's to reflect God's glory. And we memorize this rote thing and we tell them back. It's our purpose for being on the earth. If we take away the rote part, it, it's actually our purpose for being on the earth. It's to glory, to show God's glory. That means we reflect his face to the world. And there's a few of my favorite examples of this, if you can possibly read it. There's lots But here's three of my favorite selections to think about blessing as reflecting God's face to the world. This is what it says in number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. This is, again, uh, God with the people of Israel. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Exodus 34, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, do you guys remember the movie? He was not aware that his face was radiant because he'd spoken with the Lord. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was so radiant, and they were afraid to even come near him. Let's connect this, shall we? Some Old Testament there. How about 
The words of Jesus, Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Blessing. Blessed so that you may bless. So many of us have walked around in God's blessing for so long that we've forgotten what it's for. What's the reason behind God showing his face that God would smile upon us? What's actually right here in Genesis 12. Let's look at the the broader context of what God is doing and what he's saying here. Actually, I went too far and I want to go back here. Oh man, I didn't make the slide. Okay, just read along with me when I get to that part. 12 verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. So that, say it with me, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, I know I have two more verses that you didn't see. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry, the slide failed. But I can tell you about it anyway. What is God doing with Abram as he says, I'm gonna bless you, but then I want you to go out. I'm sending you out to go bless the world. There's two incredible parts of this verse that I want you to hear and understand. There's a personal call to bless, and there's a corporate call to bless. There's a personal call to bless, and there's a corporate call to bless for every single one of us. Abraham, you guys gotta get there with me for a second, okay? Abraham is sitting there with his cushy, 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 sweet setup, okay, wife, kids, farm, he's about middle-aged, he's comfortable, he's cozy, he's prosperous. Can you imagine the spousal conversation for a second, husband and wife, and they got to get together, and God's like, hey, you should just go to the place that I will show you. No, I don't know the details. I don't have the plan or the churns that you're going to take or the ups and downs, but you're going to go. And can you imagine Abram going back to the missus and saying, hey, we got a trip planned. No, I don't know where we're going, but dot, dot, dot. He is set up. He is comfortable. Can you imagine what that's like? And he leaves his inheritance We miss, we've read this verse, a lot of us, at least as career Christians in the room, we've read this verse a million times. Yeah, God met Abram and he makes this deal with him. This is the beginning part of the deal. I'm gonna get there in a second. But if he was gonna leave his land where he's from and his people, that means bye-bye inheritance. That means bye-bye when you're in your old age having people take care of you. God says, leave all of those hookups behind. All of those blessings behind. You guys, sometimes I feel like maybe this is some, for someone here this morning right now that, that what are even the blessings that God is calling us to churn from and walk so that we can walk into greater blessings and see God's face in even greater extents and an even greater full picture? What prize thing do you need to leave behind in order for maybe some discomfort and some stretching, a journey of greater blessing ahead? Be thinking about that question. It's so personal, God wants a relationship with Abram. It's so, so personal that the God of the universe, the God who met Moses on the rock and made his face physically glow such that it brought terror to the eyes, to the hearts and minds of the rest of the Israelites, that same God, creator God of the universe, wants to be so personal with you, he wants a relationship. And what's happening in this verse that that cannot be overstated, that cannot be overplayed, is covenant. We talked about this all the way back six weeks ago 
What does it mean to be a spiritual family? It means that we make a deal with one another and we make a deal with God. Covenant. And a covenant means it has conditions. Like Patrick said, another word for covenant would be promise. Only thing is, a lot of us, we don't like covenants if they're conditional. We don't like if-then statements, do we? God is laying out one massive if-then statement, and that is our God. I just want to outline that for you this morning. As if I'm going to talk about covenant, that's a conditional relationship. If you do this, I will show you what I have for you, what I have in store for you. If-then. But that's a relational, relational buy-in. We, a lot of us don't like conditions until we're benefiting from it, do we? A lot of us may not like conditional relationships until we get to experience the fruit and the blessing and the gift of that relationship, right? It's still the same dance that we get to do with God. God has tremendous blessing, has tremendous plan for us, and yet we have to buy in. We respond out of love so that, those two words, so that, the entire hinge point of the verse is right there in two words, so that we can bless others. And it's also corporate. There's a corporate call. What's, what's the word that's used there? I will make your name great, but I will also make a great nation. I will make a great nation. Yes, this may be directed at the corporate body of Israel thousands of years ago. We have a new body today in Jesus, okay? But we're still this corporate community and God's call is very, very communal. This is God entering into history, talking to Abram. You know what he's doing? He's announcing a cosmic rescue mission that you and I are invited to. We, as adopted sons and daughters to the deal he made with the Jews, as Christians, those following Jesus, we get adopted into this great big covenant plan, and we get to be family members. We're heirs to the promise God spells out. And you know what he does in covenant? He says, yes, follow me, come after me, and I will bless you. Not only that, he delegates authority. He says, if you sign on for this covenant relationship, because I'm a relational, personal God, if you sign on for this with me, you'll get a piece of the work that I'm doing in the world. He wants partners. See, that's how you know God is relational, you guys. He doesn't want puppets that dance and just, you know, robots. No, he wants partners, And he's going to delegate authority, and that's a huge part of blessing. So we get sent out. The language of Genesis 12, it continues. You guys remember the the Great Commission? A lot of us remember that. Go out, go forth, and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go out. God says to Abram, go out, in verse 1. Go out. I'm sending you out, family members. But there's maybe a lesser known verse. When Jesus is sending out the, the apostles, look what he says here. And this is from Mark 6. Oh, one more. There it is. Great. Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. Every single one of us, you and me, have been commissioned. Not unlike the disciples. Verse 7. And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them what? He gave them what? Authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. We only get one shirt. Okay, Jesus, got it. Verse 10, and he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Verse 12, so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. That was their message, repent or churn. Verse 13, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. There are four things that this passage tells us about what it means to bless others. Every single one of us in this room has been sent. 
Every one of us has a commissioning, like soldiers, like good little foot soldiers. Jesus sends us out into the world. And there are four powerful things from this text that every single one of us needs if we are going to be blessed so that we can bless others. But before I go in there, I just want to tell you how communal, how corporate, how communal our God is or how Jesus is in this passage. What does he do? The very first thing he does, he sends them out. How does he send them out? Two by two. And our family, you guys, we are sent out never in isolation, not as solo, not as rogue, but with brothers and sisters in arms. Together, we're sent out. Why? To help, to learn, to testify to what we saw. You saw these guys up here telling the story because they went as family. They don't go as rogue missionaries. They don't go as these solo heroes. We're sent as a family. Never forget that. Number one, what do they have? They have delegated authority, more authority. You see how consistent our God is? He starts, when he starts in Genesis 12, he is faithful to continue in Mark 6 through Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to give you authority. No, we don't touch the glory. No, we don't become exactly like Jesus. But he, gives, he just gives a little sliver of that good stuff all over us and in us and through us so that we have a piece of his authority. What's the word? There's a Greek word here, apostello. It means to send with a special commission, to represent and to accomplish the work. Represent. When I think about representation, I think about the face. Remember that. We magnify God's glory to the world. We represent him. We're commissioned, every single one of us, apostello. We never, we're never on our own. We're never on our own when we're sent. Not just physically with someone next to us. We have authority to depend on, you guys. That's no small thing. How many of us in this room struggle with, with doubt, with self-doubt, with inadequacy? We're not enough. We're not trained. These were ordinary men, just like you and me. But the thing you need to remember about blessing others is that you've been given tremendous authority. That's the first thing about blessing. Dependence. Jesus says, bring nothing. I always found that to be like one of the most fascinating parts of this passage. Not even a, okay, you got the sandals, got one shirt. Not even a walking stick, right? Take nothing with you except a staff. Okay, they get the walking stick. No bread, no bag. Another word for bag is like an alms, a bag for alms, alms for the poor, you know, getting donations. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, me and me alone will be your source of sustenance. Me and me alone will be the source of blessing. Why does he do that? I personally think because he knew as men we'd be a little bit conceited, we'd be a little bit selfish, we'd be a little bit power-possessed, power and we'd be tempted, as one of my good friends Ed says, we'd be tempted to touch the glory. Because if I'm out there and I'm praying for people and people are getting healed and unclean spirits are coming out of people, as crazy as that may seem to us today, and people are just getting absolutely blessed, the face of God shining on families and households and marriages. I'm thinking, did that just come from me? Was that my word? Was that my hand? No, not necessarily. Yes, we're used. We have delegated authority, but he always gets the glory. It goes right back to him. And if we're totally dependent on him, if he's our source, which we're drawing from in order to do that work, where else can the glory go but back to the giver? You get what Jesus is doing there? Dependence is a huge part of being blessed so that you may bless others. And the message, I'll just put it to you really simply. They had a message. They had a simple message. That message was repent. We hate this ugly Christian word because it reminds me at least of the, the man on the street corner with a picket sign and says, turn or burn. Awesome. That's really inviting a lot of people in for church this Sunday morning. 
It's tired. It's a tired message. But here's the glory of the word repent and why I think it can be redeemed to actually be a blessing. That you can actually use that word in your conversations with someone who's a new believer or they're not a believer yet or they've gone away from church and they're coming back. There's the beauty of that word. You know what repent means? A lot of you do. It means to turn. It means simply to turn, make a 180 from your current trajectory, your current path, your current way of doing things and churn back to Jesus, his ways. Here's the beauty and the blessing of the word repent. Because short of the gracious gift of Jesus, all we have is our own power. All we have is our own might. All we have is our own energies. All we have is our own flesh and blood. And I'm just here to tell you, if that's all I have to depend on you guys, I'm done. I'm sunk. That will not help me. That will not help others if my source of dependence is myself. So you can be encouraged when you go to someone and you tell them, hey, guess what? The gospel of Jesus says, turn, repent. That is grace and grace everlasting. It means you can give up over trying and overdoing and over committing, trying to do it on your own might. That's what the word repent means. It means you're off the hook from being the savior of yourself or the world because none of us could ever do that. That's the beauty of their message, repent. That That's how repent can now be a blessing for you and me as we go forth and we're having God conversations with people about what blessing really is. And that was their same old message. Nothing has changed. We get to do that today. And we got to know who our target is, by the way. We have to know in our message, we have to know who our audience is. Jesus giving these instructions to to the disciples says really clearly in the other gospel of Matthew, he says, I'm sending you to fellow Jews. I'm sending you to the house of Israel. You're going to your, your Jewish brothers and sisters, insiders. Not necessarily the lost world or the, or the Gentile world as it was known back then. Why is this instructive for us today and specifically at Watermark? Because Watermark, at least as a leadership and a staff, we believe we have a particular calling to reach the whole world. We're, we're, we're called to reach the whole world. And we also have a particular heart for those who are dechurched or deconstructing or fallen away or who were raised in the church and they spent 10 years away from the church And God is wooing them back into family, into spiritual family. Does anyone have a family member or friend that fits that bill? Anyone have a family member or friend who was raised in the church and they've walked away? Are you praying praying for that person? You're hoping to God that they could be sitting next to you next Sunday or next month here in church? That's millennials. That's my my fellow 20 and 30-something millennials. That is our target audience. The Jews know that. The the disciples know this. They know who they're after. That's part of knowing your message is knowing your audience. And finally, one of the biggest things you need to know about blessing is that it, it, it produces tremendous fruit. The healings, the anointings, the blessings, new life, salvations, baptisms, yes. Powerful things happen when you have that delegated authority, God working in and through you. There is fruit that is produced. And here's the encouragement I would give you. God's commands are always accompanied by his enablement. If you're thinking, no, Ben, that was for another time. No, Ben, I couldn't possibly do that today. No, Ben, I don't have the training or the equipping today, Ben. That's, that's not going to happen. Here's the truth for you this morning. You can write it down on your phone. God's commands are always accompanied by his enablement. He will give you the ability for the mission that he has tasked you with. Let's drive this home. Acts 8 says this. In case you're still thinking, Ben, I don't know if I could really be a blessing the way you and Bucky and Joe and, and these people up here are. I just don't know. He's sending you. He's sending you. Look at what happens in Acts 8. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed them Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. 
When they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out and many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was so much joy in the city. Powerful fruit, powerful dependence, powerful authority that was delegated and, and the people, the city, the city of Costa Mesa, could it be overwhelmed with joy? Our neighbors right here across the street, across the freeway called Del Mesa, could they be overwhelmed with joy because they've seen the face of God here and now across the street? Oh, that's our prayer. It's our prayer at Watermark. And yet, what is so cool about this passage is if you're still sitting here and you're thinking, Ben, I'm an ordinary man, I'm an ordinary woman, what do I have against the, or, or alongside the disciples of the apostles? If you read the rest of this chapter, you would see something so critical. At this point in the first church family's history, there's been a wave of huge persecution. Believers being killed for their newborn faith. Being killed, being murdered in the street for their newborn baby faith. And they were scattered, and a lot of the leaders stayed back, the passage says. The, the, the apostles, the Peters, the Johns, the, the, those guys stayed back. In Jerusalem, and the rest of the people are sent out. Who does that leave? These new believers, and I love what one author calls them. He calls them nameless amateur missionaries. <laughs> Me and you. Not the professional, vocational church workers. Me and you. You, I should say, rather. <laughs> you. You, a whole bunch of nameless amateur missionaries. That's my prayer. How beautiful would that be? How fantastic and amazing would that be? That you don't have to be called into full-time church work ministry in order to be used as a radical, transformative missionary for Jesus and the gospel of grace to go forward. How amazing would that be if everything that he's given you, if your position right now as husband, as wife, as parent, as worker, as student was the exact place he had you on mission to do the transformative work that we see right there. You guys, as the band comes up, I just want to encourage you with this. Where should we start? Should we just take the hill? Should we just conclude right now and just everyone charge into the neighborhood across the street and go down the road and go back to our homes and just start having God conversations right now, knocking down doors, talking to people about how they should repent so they, could, they should churn or burn? No, that would be, well, I wouldn't use that. When you use that phrasing, you could go talk to people on your doors. That would be awesome. But here's where I want us to churn first. Actually, I think that it starts with prayer. Right here, this morning, today, Sunday morning, this first Sunday in June, if we could churn to prayer. So that, <laughs> so that God would highlight people for you in your community that you're supposed to have over for dinner so that people would highlight a coworker, so that God would highlight a coworker of yours that you need to start a conversation with, so that God would give you the boldness and the courage and remind you of the authority already bestowed to you, already, to talk to a, a family member or friend who's close to you that you're worried about ruining the relationship rather because you're talking about coming back to church, so that these people would know you're praying for them so that they would see a different outlook on life. We want a prayer culture at Watermark of persistence covering every single person that God has put on your heart. I want to end with a, another concrete example 
of how Watermark corporately as a community has been called to be a blessing, to go out and bless. In the seat backs in front of every single chair, almost every single chair, there's a yellow card. It's our Sunday, our Vision Sunday goals. We had a, a Sunday a few weeks ago, we called it Vision Sunday. And these are our aims for 2019, the things that we want to intentionally and strategically pray over and go after in our programs, our events, and everything that we do. We want to go after these areas. Remember what I said on that Sunday, quoting the infamous Rudy Rudiger from the Notre Dame football program. Based on a real story, if you don't know who that is, he's a a college football athlete in the 70s. They made a movie about him in the 90s. And he gets in the locker room and he stands on the stool and he's doing this impression of his coach and he says, we're going to get him on the left and we're going to get him on the right and we're going to go, go, go and we're going to stop until we cross that finish line, goal line. Do we have that sense of urgency, you guys, for these goals? That God has shined his face, he has shown his face to you and to me and our biggest privilege is to reflect that to the world. So some of those goals, as you look at them, Del Mesa. Why Del Mesa? So that struggling marriages, struggling financial situations, stuckness with our kids who have gone astray could be transformed into the goodness and the grace of God's mercy. Mexico. Why Mexico? So that God can continue the work, continue, can, language is hard, can continue the work in and through the goers and those who are receiving in Mexico. Families, so that a generation of faith cannot be crippled, so crippled by anxiety and depression. We're losing teenagers, you guys. We're losing teenagers. They're taking their own lives or they're walking around as zombies because they have no idea how to relate to one another. No one has come alongside them and bared with them. It's that God has a plan for you to become and believe and belong. Yes, Watermark has a radical vision to reach families so that we can break the bonds of anxiety and depression and guilt and shame and performance because the kids are killing themselves comparing to one another on social media. Killing themselves. Yes, at Watermark, we envision that we've been given healthy and whole marriages and families, or even if your marriage is struggling this morning, you have more equipping and more authority than you think you have to make a difference for families at Del Mason right here in our backyard at Watermark. Online. Why online? So that those people with social anxiety who literally can't touch arms with someone in their seats, they can watch the sermon. They can listen to the podcast from home before they're ready to step foot on campus. So that we can be in homes and on phones in every single area of Costa Mesa in the cities of Orange County. Coffee. Let's build a coffee bar. Why? So that the amazing lubricant of coffee, the social lubricant of coffee, can be a bridge to having conversations that will change someone's life forever. will never be the same because of the way you spoke to them right there in that lobby over a cup of coffee. Yes, coffee. So that the goodness and grace of God, his face can shine on people. These, co- these workers in this corporate plaza, they have to go for walks. They're mandated by their company, thank God, to get up from their seat and to go for a walk around here. And we're going to have an open door and a beautiful sign that says, come in and get coffee and come and get a pastry and leave with new life in Jesus. That's what's going to happen. Are we ready for that? Do we have that kind of sense of urgency? Mentoring, the last one, mentoring. Why? Why put people of every age in front of each other? 
Why do that? Isn't that forced? I'm not going to like the person. It's going to be awkward. I've got to go sit down and meet with someone who's older than me or you know, this young punk who's not going to listen to me. So that a generation can rise up and know how to make wise decisions for the love of God. Give me kids that can make wise decisions. That would be so cool. That would be so cool if I could see in my kids and the young people that I know and some of the old people that I know to start making wise decisions because they're still spiritual children. Some of us who are 40, 50, 60, and we can still grow. We know the 20s and 30s need love and help. But what about the rest of us sometimes, 40s, 50s, 60s? Through these mentoring relationships so that we can make wise decisions in the world and continue to reflect God's glory to the world. We're going to go into one more song of worship, and then I'm going to invite you to pray. I'm going to have people up here, ordinary men and women, who would love to pray for you. We're not going to take communion today. We're just going to sit in this moment of worship. And then Bucky's going to come up here, and we're going to give a couple announcements, and then we're going to have time for prayer right here at the foot of the stage. Yes, the prayer volunteers who are coming up here are everyday men and women, ordinary men and women, but you know what? They have a delegated authority. And I believe, and we believe at Watermark, that when we pray, things move. You want prayer for anything. You want prayer for anxiety and depression. You want prayer for pain. You want prayer for a broken relationship. You want prayer for boldness. So you could, so that you could be a blessing. I urge you, don't miss the opportunity this morning to come and get prayer and see what God does in your heart and your relationships and your life and your work and your family. So God, I just thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your grace over me, over this band, over these people this morning, over the Mexico team members, over Joe, over our friends in Mexico who have a new life, who have a new home, who have a new relationship. Lord, there's a spiritual house being built in Mexico. Thank God that you are an international God, that you are a generational God, that you work through all of time. You transcend all of time and every single boundary and barrier so that your children might know you. Thank you for blessing us this morning, God. Continue to shine your face brightly on us as we continue to worship in Jesus' name. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.